Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor Ian Simpkins as we continue our series, Bumper Sticker Theology. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, community. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, what lovely weather we're having this morning, right? I don't know about you, but I swam here, so uh, <laughs> that was exciting. Uh, there are a lot of like stages of like a child growing that I find really fascinating, but maybe the most interesting for me is the why stage. You all know the ooh, right? Everyone knows the why stage. Right? Anyone ever interacted with a kid before that's going through the why stage? I remember my uh, oldest niece once. I was home visiting family. And uh, she said, Uncle Ian, can we go outside to play? And I said, I, we can't right now. It's raining. And she goes, why? I said, I, well, because water's f- falling from the sky right now. Why? Because the, the water was in clouds for a little bit, and now it's coming down. Why? Because <laughs> clouds form when there's vapor. Why? You know what? I don't know. I don't. That's that's it. That's the end of the things that I know. Why? Because I didn't pay attention in school. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't focused in school, and I wasn't wasn't really paying attention. Why? Because I didn't value education at the time. I was just trying to get through it, and I didn't. Why? Because I wanted other people to like me, so I was always like. Joking in class and not paying attention. Why? And this goes on for a while, like to the point where it starts to get really like weird and esoteric, where she's like, why? And I'm like, because some things are and some things aren't. <laughs> and the thing about like a kid going through this, this why thing, right? Like they never, they never stop and just go, oh, well, that makes sense. Thanks for answering that question, right? just goes and goes and goes. And I was, I was thinking about that interaction this week and how sometimes, even as adults, don't we sometimes feel like we are the same way? Why? Why, why, why does this happen? Is that going on? What, what is this all about? And we've been, uh, throughout this series, we've been asking this question, is it biblically sound or just sound biblical? Because there's all sorts of these phrases that sound sort of Christian-ish that we get really comfortable saying because we heard someone else say it or we read it on a bumper sticker or saw it on a blog. We often fail to ask the question, is this actually biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? And the uh, the bumper sticker phrase that we want to tackle today I think is maybe the most common and it's this. Everything happens for a reason. Anyone ever said this phrase or heard this phrase before? Yeah, Uh, most of us. In fact, I'll admit, I've said this one myself. Everything happens for a reason. Now, before we unpack it, I think often people who say this phrase are probably well-meaning, right? We mean it to be encouraging. We're trying to, you know, maybe lighten up something that seems like it was an unfortunate happening. Maybe when you're friend doesn't get the job that they applied for, or your, your teenager gets dumped, or your coworker like doesn't get the Hamilton tickets for the 247th time, right? Like, and, and in there it seems kind of harmless, right? But I think often what we're trying to do when we say this phrase is we're trying to find some meaning behind 
the pain. I think that this phrase for a lot of us helps us declare in some way there's, there's purpose here even if we can't see it. But honestly, I think more often than not we say this phrase because we just don't know what else to say, right? Like it's one thing if uh, your friend doesn't get a, a certain job but then two weeks later gets a better, higher paying job, right? This phrase makes sense. Oh, Everything happens for a reason, right? You didn't get that last terrible job, so you could get this new awesome job. But what about, what about stuff that's a little heavier than that? What about stuff that's a little more tragic than that? Like when someone is given just a devastating diagnosis, or someone goes through just unthinkable relational turmoil, or someone experiences the loss of a loved one, or someone that you care about is in a tragic car accident or someone's the victim of a violent crime or maybe when someone like my good friend Sherry goes through some unthinkable circumstances my name is Sherry Banky and I've been part of community almost 18 years now in August of 2000 I was getting ready for work and what was becoming a new normal uh, it was the new normal because my husband would have typically been at work at that time but he was home He was home uh, because he had just spent a month-long stay in the hospital at Northwestern recovering from a stem cell transplant. Uh, He had the stem cell transplant because we had had two years of unsuccessful uh, treatment for Hodgkin's lymphoma. On that morning while uh, getting ready, there was a major thunderstorm going on and there was a lightning strike that was very close to our home. Physically shook our home and I thought, wow, that's close. Uh, My husband became concerned uh, that there may be damage outside. Um, I encouraged him to go back to bed. He didn't listen to me. Uh, He got dressed and went outside to check if there was any damage outside. My husband came back inside and shouted, the house is on fire. And so I quickly grabbed my daughter. I woke her up. Actually, we had to grab clothes, run outside, and we stood in the pouring rain waiting for the fire department to arrive. And it was just surreal. It was overwhelming. Uh, Life was so hard already. Uh, Two years of cancer treatment that weren't working, raising my daughter, working full-time, stem cell transplant, month-long stay in the hospital, and now my house was burning. And it was just exasperating. I didn't know if I should laugh or cry. And I just wondered, what is the reason for all of this? what would you say to Sherry if you were standing with her in the pouring rain with her sick husband watching her house burn to the ground everything happens for a reason right and maybe you're here this morning and you're actually very familiar with that kind of pain so what do, we, what do we do with these types of stories, these types of circumstances that are very clear and very present for so many of us? Well, I want to unpack the phrase a little bit and ask the question, what are we really saying when we say this phrase? Because often kind of behind that phrase, everything happens for a reason, is this idea that everything that happens is God's will. Now, the, the belief that everything that happens is God's will is something called determinism. And determinism simply means this. It means that nothing happens without the determination of God. That nothing happens without God determining it. And if he's controlling everything, then we can trust that he has good reasons for determining what happens to you and me. And there's a lot of reasons why this sounds biblical. 
Some of you maybe already are like, How, how's he going to turn this one? That's true, isn't it? There's many reasons this sounds biblical. And one passage that seems to hint at this is in Matthew chapter 10. And uh, in Matthew 10, Jesus is sending out his disciples. And they're going to do a whole lot of crazy things. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to drive out demons. They're going to preach about the kingdom. And he knows that they're going to face some really intense opposition. Some of them even imprisonment. And uh, so here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Anyone familiar with this passage? There's songs and poems that have been written about this particular passage. But what Jesus is saying here is, you don't need to be afraid of people. At the end of the day, you don't need to be afraid of people. Their their power is limited. And he reassures them, you're way more valuable than pigeons, than doves, than birds. Now, some have read these words and taken them to mean that nothing happens outside of God's will, without God's involvement. Now, in this view, God is sort of like this divine puppet master, right? Like every single thing that happens in each of our lives, God God is sort of pulling the string to make those things happen, right? When your computer at work stops working, God was pulling the technology string, right? When you get a flat tire on the way home from work, like God was pulling the the tire string, right? When Nickelback comes on the radio, um, I can't even joke about that. I can't even, no, absolutely not. That's the problem with determinism, though. It blames God for everything. It blames God for everything. To say that everything that happens is God's will partially eliminates the component of personal responsibility for our own actions. If I run a red light, must have been God's will. If I steal from my employer, it must have been God's will. If I cheat on my spouse, it must have been God's will. I remember years ago, a guy was in my office, and uh, the first 20 minutes of our conversation, he was sharing with me how, how like, awful of a husband he'd been. Just terrible, inattentive, just wasn't, just all these things. And, uh, and then he had shared how his wife had made him sleep on the couch. And then he goes, well, everything happens for a reason. And I was like, no, 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 those are called consequences for being a jerk. Don't, <laughs> you don't need to mysticize this, like, well, <laughs> his ways are higher than our ways. Like, no, you're just being a doofus, and she was right to make you sleep on the couch. But can you see why this way of thinking can actually be really, really dangerous? That if everything happens for a reason, if everything is God's will, then every terrible thing that happens, not only in our lives, but in the world, God determined it. God determined every rape, every murder, every sickness, every crime, or a part of God's plan. And I'll be really honest, who could blame someone from walking away from that version of God? Right? I mean, if your eyes are even like partially open to the pains of the world and someone told you like God, well, God willed that to happen. That was part of his, part of his determination. Who could blame someone for saying, well, then, then I'm, I'm not interested in that. So let me, let, me, let me just pause for a moment for those of us in the room who are maybe even today like in the midst of unthinkable tragedy, like unimaginable pain or sorrow. If someone has ever said to you in the midst of that pain, everything happens for a reason, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
I, I think we could probably agree that the person who said that likely was just trying to be comforting, right? They are probably trying to, to do the best they could to ease some of your pain. We both know that they were probably well-meaning, but p- please hear this. God did not intend for that, that pain, that tragedy, that sorrow to exist in your life. His heart breaks when our heart breaks, full stop. Are we tracking? God's heart breaks when our heart breaks. So are we saying that God has no control, no involvement whatsoever in anything that happens? No, we're not saying that either. There's another pretty popular belief system called deism that kind of believes that God created the world, but then he sort of just left it on its own and he has absolutely no involvement whatsoever in what happens here during our 80 to 90 years on planet Earth. That's absolutely not true. At certain times, in certain places, God does choose to directly intervene. So to, to understand a little bit more of like why bad things sometimes happen, we need to talk about this idea of what we're going to call dominion. Dominion. When God created the world, he was bringing order out of everything, right? Order out of chaos. And uh, each day that he creates, he steps back, he sees his creation, he calls it good, and he has dominion over it. And then at the pinnacle of creation, God creates human beings in his image, and he creates people, man and woman, and he, he gives them the power to then rule over creation, to have dominion over the, the, the animals and the fish and the birds and the earth as a whole. He, he allows man and woman to have this special responsibility of dominion over creation, to, to keep God's good order. In fact, the, the psalmist tries to capture this idea here in Psalm 8. It says, what, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. So the psalmist is trying to capture this idea that God invites humankind into this really like unique, special relationship to have dominion over the earth. Now, of course, in doing this, God took a pretty, a pretty gigantic risk, right? Would humans continue God's good order for the world? And it actually, um, well, we get the answer pretty quickly here. In Genesis 3, when the serpent confronts Eve in the garden, he tempts her to question the goodness of God. Does, does God really have your best interests in mind? Is what he said actually true? Like maybe, maybe you heard him wrong. Maybe God was off his rocker a bit. And so Eve exercises her dominion. Adam joins her. And they make a choice together to go against God's good order. And in fact, this story, I believe, was meant to communicate a pattern that had been established all the way down to me. I am regularly tempted, enticed to doubt God's good order, to doubt his provision, to doubt his goodness, to doubt his protection. In fact, you could argue that any time that we sin, we break shalom, that's at the root of it, that we actually don't take God at his word, that this thing, this way is actually a better way for me, and I exercise my dominion in that. This leads, I think, to a sobering truth, and the sobering truth is this, that not everything that happens is God's will. Not everything that happens is God's will because God took a risk 
in giving us this freedom to have dominion over the world. Many choices go against God's good order. In fact, this is why I think Jesus taught his disciples and teaches us to pray this way. Many of you know this. Teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which means there are rival kingdoms. To teach us to pray this way means that sometimes his will is not lived out on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes decisions are made that go against God's good designed order. Jesus urges us to pray this way because God's will isn't always done on earth. The fact that God's will isn't always done on earth means that not everything happens for a reason. Not everything happens for a reason. Sometimes things happen because we made a mistake. Sometimes things happen because someone else made a mistake. Sometimes things happen because whole societal structures have exercised dominion that go against God's good order, and they have continued to churn out things that are not of God's will. Sometimes, and please hear me in this, there is no explainable reason for why something happens. Okay, so let me just pause for a second because I'm, I'm sure I'm rattling some of you, right? This, this might be really, really unnerving. The saying everything happens for a reason, I think is so prevalent and in, in so many ways so comforting that we, we might have a hard time letting it go. We might have a hard time loosening our grip around this idea, but let me assure you, we do not have to lose heart. We do not have to lose heart. No matter, no matter what happens in this world, all of us, we have hope. Jesus entered into our world to usher in a new kingdom, a new way of living, a new resurrection life. That's, that's a big part of what he came to do through his life, his death, his resurrection. He defeated sin, evil, violence, brokenness, and he set in motion God's plan to redeem the world. In fact, we have this promise that one day God will make everything right. Here in Revelation 21, it says he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Through Jesus, he's ushering in a new kingdom, a new way of living life. And that's the hope that we have. But until that hope is realized, we have this promise in Romans. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works for good all things, which essentially says this then. God can use everything that happens for a reason. Whatever tragedy, whatever pain you've experienced, whatever story brought you in here this morning, God can use, God wants to use every single thing that has happened to us, will happen to us for a reason. He's in the business of redeeming that which is broken, restoring that which we often look look at and say, God could never use that part of me. God could never use that story. God can use everything that happens for a reason. He can take the most twisted, the most painful things we experienced and bring good from them. He can bring beauty from ashes, 
light from darkness, and hope from despair. When my house was struck by lightning, I didn't even have a relationship with God at that time. We had to move out. We had temporary housing set up at the High Point Apartments, and we discovered that there was a church in the community center there. So we decided to go to church. And after a few weeks, I uh, experienced God in an undeniable way and found my way back to Him. I don't believe that God gave my husband cancer struck my house with lightning so I would move to this community center and find my way back to him. I've learned that that's just not the loving God that we have. Um, I've learned that um, bad things happen and bad things happen for no good reason sometimes. I still have questions. Uh, There are things that I really don't understand. Uh, One of them is I don't understand uh, why cancer treatment is so brutal and then people die. Like if it was brutal, but then you survived, I could understand that. But why would somebody suffer from a brutal treatment for years and then die? I don't understand that. And that doesn't seem like a good reason. I don't understand why my daughter had to grow up without her dad. Um, I came from a a home that experienced divorce. My husband did too, and we just did not want that to be part of our story. We worked really hard to make sure that wasn't part of our story, but that didn't happen. Here's what I do know. I know that when life had me pinned to the ground, it was the undeniable love of God that picked me up. It was the undeniable love of God that gave me strength to hold my husband's hand when he took his last breath. It was the undeniable power of God that comforted me in overwhelming grief. It was the hope of Jesus that helped me live life and life to the full. And it was the hope of Jesus knowing that death, disease, and disaster doesn't have the final word. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. And I believe that to be true. Um, uh, To those of you in this room right now uh, who are suffering, who are brokenhearted, who are in pain. I don't know why that's happening to you. I won't pretend to know, and I am so sorry if we have ever spouted sayings like everything happens for a reason that not only made your pain worse, but perhaps drove a wedge relationally between the people trying to bring healing. I don't know why those things are happening. But I know that it can't be because God doesn't love us. I know that it can't be that. It's why send Jesus in the first place. Why the cross? A crucifixion of all things. There are so many things that I know that I don't have answers to and may never have the reason I know can't be because God doesn't love us 
And if you're here this morning and you or someone you know is just in it, in the thick of something really tragic, really heavy, and I, I pray that you would know the overwhelming sense of God's love and affection for you, that you would look around even in this moment, see that you're surrounded by brothers and sisters, that you are not alone. And for those of us who are close to someone who's suffering right now, my, my prayer is that we would be present, say little, and pray a lot. Be present, say little, and pray a lot. Because there's all sorts of things in this world that we may never have answers to. But I pray that each and every day we would know more and more fully that there's a God who sees us, who knows us, scars, warts, and all, looks us in the eyes and calls us beloved. Every single one of us. Whatever thing that you're in right now that's clouding your vision, clouding your ability to see fully what's going on around you. Maybe you feel like, like your legs are just chopped out from under you, like the, the whole thing's unraveling. In the midst of pain and suffering and sorrow, God is with us. The psalmist says that he is near the brokenhearted. And that's a promise that we can cling to. That's a hope that we can rest in. We don't need simple platitudes and sanctimonies. We don't need to just simply wish it away. Some of us have been carrying scars and burdens for years and maybe today is the day that you just begin to loosen your white knuckle grip a little bit. It's not pretending like it's not painful, it's not hard, but saying, I want to I take a step toward more fully trusting this God to heal even the most broken, busted up parts of me. Because not only can God do that, I believe more than anything, that's what he wants to do. Not everything happens for a reason, but God can use everything that happens for a reason. To take something broken and make something beautiful from it. May we be a people who take even the most busted up parts of our life, our story, and say, God, in my hands, this doesn't look like much but I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that you'll take these parts of my story and do something amazing with them. Would you pray with me, please? God, I'm so grateful that you're not off on some distant planet. You didn't just create the world and leave us on our own. We also know, God, that when our heart breaks, it breaks your heart. Do you know the things in our heart that maybe we've never even had the courage to utter to another person? And so God, whether we're suffering today or we're near someone who is, God, give us the insight, the wisdom, the clarity to know how to love one another well. God, we know that you've given us each other, that we were not meant to do this thing alone. God, may we be agents of life and change and mercy and grace wherever we go, in our families, in our communities, in our places of work, God, wherever we are, 
May your life and love pour out of us, God. God, and for those of us in the pit right now, would you speak words of life and strength and purpose and comfort now? God, help us to more fully rest in those promises of who you are and who you say we are. God, we thank you. We love you. And we pray all these things in the powerful, healing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.